should you decide to accept it. Welcome to another installment of your mission. <laughs> so, yeah, this week we are taking Steely Dan's uh, first album, Can't Buy a Thrill, and cutting it down to EP length. There's going to be a lot of Steely Dan and probably a few Dildo references. I think we've already started. Yeah. <laughs> I'm super, super excited to talk about this record because I, there's there's just a lot of there's a lot of thoughts that swirl around in my brain when I think about this record. Like there's a lot of things that are not congruent with other kind of music that I like, but there's just something that feels right about their music. And I still think that despite the fact that some of their other albums are fabulous, I still come back to this one, and I think this one is my favorite. And I think maybe it has to do with just maybe more of some of my musical roots in like 70s rock, and like radio, radio classic rock when I was growing up, which was basically like 70s rock. And this album hues the most to that. And not to say that this is like any other 70s rock record at all. It's been a league of its own, but there's some of the sounds that sound a little bit more like the other sounds around that time. Yeah, for sure. A lot of these were, I can't remember the, the article we were reading, uh, they were talking about how a lot of the tracks were demo tracks that they have recorded over the years as, as Walter Becker and uh, Donald Fagan were just trying to be writing, like just working musical writers. And yeah, like it's also crazy to think that what they were writing for other people, there weren't huge hits off of it when you've got songs do it again and reeling in the years on this album. Like it's a crazy opening album. It's insane how tightly packed, like really and like really good classic rock is in this album. Yeah, so I, I don't. I, I think about what I love about this record, man. It's about fucking losers, and I love it, man. It's about lo everyone's a fucking fuck up loser in their well, songs. Camp can't buy a thrill is even isn't that just a <laughs> yeah. joke on like I love you it, can't, can't even pay for it they you couldn't couldn't get it if you were paying for it their songs aren't heroic man they're about fucking losers and i love it i love it i love I like that's uh, really refreshing because i'm tired of hearing about uh winners frankly in songs heard about those enough yeah 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 i will say those are less relatable for me absolutely like this song, do it again. It's like ubiquitous. Like everyone's heard it on the radio. Like it's funny. No one knows it's actually Steely Dan. That's funny. I, I played it for people. Like I, I put it on my record player. I play it for people and be like, oh yeah, the Jack, do it again. But they have no no clue. No clue who's playing it. So it's like ubiquitous. It's like a big, huge pop hit. But if you listen to the lyrics, right? first verse is about someone getting mixed up in some you know violent shit and and paying the price second one is someone getting mixed up in some sex stuff that doesn't work out the way they want getting played third one is about gambling <laughs> and like the fact that to get a thrill out of gambling like you just have to keep going and it yeah. only goes one way yeah I, I don't know man this isn't some hippie shit this isn't some come on people now and all that bullshit like it goes straight into the real shit and I think another thing I, I love about these guys is there were New York, were Jersey guys, uh, East Coast guys, that went out west, and they didn't let out west mellow them out or whatever. They brought their yeah. saltiness from the East Coast. <laughs> but you can hear the West Coast in like everything they do, right? Like sonically, there's a lot of that kind of West Coast vibe that runs through all this. This is not Philly album of the 70s or New York album of the 70s. This is straight up Los Angeles the whole way. It, it, it is, except for the lyrics. Yeah, yeah, it yeah is, except, except it's for, not. Except for the stories that they tell. Yeah, yeah. Are about like sad and despicable people. And God, just, I don't know, man. I like antiheroes. They're more interesting to me. And there's a lot of 
I, they're having fun with it, but there's a dark eye on the world that Steely Dan has, and they write it really well. Yeah. Jenny, did you remember hearing Do It Again on the radio? or Oh. What was your experience like listening to this the first time? Oh, God. I, that's so hard to say because I feel like I've heard it. It's like forever, even today, I will hear it on the radio. If you're just like out at the store or whatever. So I, I'm not sure I can even really recall the first time. Yeah, me neither. It just, this is like a thing that played on the radio, right? It's like forever on the radio, if you think about it. <laughs> if you're going it, to, you turn on the radio, like at some point you might actually like get yeah. to your stations playing. And also at the point, I guess like in the very like late 90s, early 2000s, when I was like at home, the radio stations were incredibly limited and I ended up listening a lot to like the classic rock station out of what, like Winchester, I think it was 94 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And I mean, yeah. yeah, do it again was constantly on. <laughs> it, it, it feels like it never left. You know? Yeah. So, and, and reeling in the ears. Yeah. Both oh yeah. That too. For sure. For sure. Yeah. But, and it's funny. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was, I was just gonna, that's fine. I was just gonna say like, it, I feel like, just constantly throughout my life, give or take, you always hear those bars and you're just like, like it's just forever there in the background, forever. Yeah. Go ahead, Liz. No, I was just going to say, it's funny how like this has become grocery store music. <laughs> like it's funny how many times I've been in a grocery store and been completely tuned out to the stuff that's playing and then Steely Dan comes on and I'm like the only person walking through the grocery <laughs> store, nodding my head and singing along to myself. Like people must think I'm a madman. It's a, it's a testament to how people don't listen to lyrics. It really is because Okay, this song, Dirty Work, right? Which wasn't yeah. like a hit, or I think it was a B-side, but it wasn't a hit. I, I, I only listened to it when I actually listened to the album. This song is just about a dude that is getting played by a woman who, the husband's out of town or whatever, and she knows it's what is in modern parlance, or at least semi-modern parlance, like the, it's like the dick in the box, right? It's like the, he's, write, he's, he's writing a song about how I'm a dick in the box, basically, for this woman. And I'm just getting played, and then, hey, I'm not going to do this shit anymore. And he just keeps doing it anyway. Like He's the Steely Dan, if you will. There you go. That's what, what dildo reference number two. <laughs> It's all a dildo reference, right? <laughs> yeah, if you're yeah, if you're tuning in, you can mark that down on your dildo reference yeah. bingo yeah. card. That's shot yeah. shot for every yeah. every time someone yeah. makes a dildo reference. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Drink. Yeah. Drink. Um, but anyway, so if this, if this song was to play on the radio, like it wouldn't a surprise me, but b like you know, this is not like PG thirteen you know material. Straight I'm up. pretty convinced I heard this on the radio the first time I heard the song. Like my parents, my father is like, first time I heard Black Sabbath, first time like with so many bands that I still love. Steely Dan, not one of them. Not one like, of them. Yeah. My, my parents did not listen to Steely Dan. I don't know if it was too heady or what, but there were a lot of songs like Dirty Work and Reeling in the Years that I think people enjoy and then later find out like if they're not paying attention they find out later oh yeah that was steely dan turns out you do like steely dan and that joke <laughs> about that joke you made about how steely dan is too pretentious for you is, is wrong so funny because the first time i ever listened to black sabbath was in your dad's truck so it was like that do you remember if it was the uh, i think it was Ozzy heaven sabbath no it was heaven and hell yeah. It was the and, Ronnie James Sabbath. That was the first time I ever heard right. Yeah, so like he had a copy of that and Dehumanizer yeah, yeah. Uh, for the longest time. But he also had Master of Reality. That's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, to get into this whole idea of the pretentiousness and blah, 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 all this shit, just for those of you listening, because some of you younger guys are listening, like, just get off that bullshit. I don't know, someone fought that fight in the 70s or whatever, like, they're like too aloof or whatever. This shit slaps. Shit. It's fucking. It, the, yeah. the, the, the songs are catchy. The lyrics are great. If you actually listen to the lyrics, they're fucking great. I don't know where it stacks up with like the Eagles or whatever. I can just tell you that I like Steely Dan way more than I like the fucking Eagles. Yeah, oh, for yeah. sure. There's, 
There's a song on this album that has the Eagle vibe to it, and it's the perfect excuse never to listen to it. <laughs> I think even Dirty Work has All a little that. bit of an Eagle vibe. You know? Whenever we get around to it, there's also a song on here that, that has an Eagles of Death Metal vibe, and I want to talk about it, but mm. later though. Don't let me don't let me forget. <laughs> I can't wait. But yeah, yeah. yeah the pretentiousness, because I think some of that stuff was just like, they, so by the time they got to Asia, right, like, they were like their budget for their albums in the millions. They would bring in like all these crazy studio musicians. They do 50 takes. Like they would be driven insane by getting the perfect sound, the perfect take. And to me, like a lot of the punk movement was a reaction to a lot of these 70s bands that were like yeah. obsessed with having everything perfect. And certainly the dam is like part I mean, of that, part of that whole scene. Here are two guys that basically start a band after writing for so many other people, other contemporaries at the time, and not really having success at it. Like, they just, they were very fed up early on, and there's still perfection in the sound. Like, they're writing musicians, they're, they are perfectionists for their sound. And it's, maybe it's a little overproduced, maybe it's a little, you know, too clean for what became that counter. Is it Elvis Costello? No. Is it certainly not early Elvis Costello? But man, it's just everything's tight, right? Walter Becker's guitar in every song is incredible. The diversity of their sound is incredible. Yeah. This song called Kings, right? What, yeah. What would you describe if you had to classify it like in a genre? Like, how would you? Dude, there's like parts to me that are like 70s rock, then there are other parts that are like a little R&B, right? Then like this is... there's that driving like baseline to right, it. That right, exactly. I like that's very like what would become heavier rock, right? Exactly. So it's like what a lot of their songs, even individually, even within the song, they evolve and change so much. And the thing is, none of it sounds forced. None of it sounds yeah. like, oh wait, that's weird. The song went in a weird direction. It all just jives together in a, in a sort of beautiful way. Like some of it's almost like singer-songwriter folk, some of it's like country, some of it's like gospel, some of it's like R&B. And so these are very excellent musicians at the height of their game. And ain't nothing wrong with that. And I, I can like punk music too. I can like the punk stuff too. And like this shit. And so like for me, it's just like, let someone else fight that fight. That's not my fight. Like, I just get the benefit from listening to all this cool music. Yeah. yeah. So do we want to talk about what we each cut it down to? I feel like we're a solid four tracks, three tracks into the album itself. Yeah, yeah I am. Um, this was actually my number one, so I feel like maybe I should... Uh, Please. Yeah, talk about Midnight Cruiser, uh, yeah. 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 I, actually don't recall having heard this one before today, literally just today. Or no, actually, the first time I listened to this was last sun was Sunday, a week ago. But I ran through the whole thing, and then I came back to it to, again today to sort of finalize my picks. Mm -hmm. And I kept coming back to this one, which is the one I have not heard on the radio, which was weird, but I really love it. I really love... I don't necessarily love the chorus, but every other part of this song is perfect. I like it. The yeah. chorus is almost reminds me of Three Dog Night. Yeah, <laughs> where, where, it feels too generic for the rest of the song, which is more yes. way more unique, way more yeah. unique. The rest of the song almost sounds like a James Taylor song, yeah. and yeah. like this chorus is super—I don't want to say bouncy, but comparatively like upbeat in a way that the rest of the song doesn't feel. And this this solo is so smooth, like yeah. <laughs> Walter Becker's so good at bringing in these i think he's really good at like playing off the melody that's occurred through the rest of the song at the intro of the solo and then just taking it off into space like it's yes. so good taking it off into space is exactly right it is as the kids say smooth af yeah <laughs> as they also say it's slack man wow. we gotta get like a we're fucking we're so cool man Buzz, a bin of buzzwords we can yeah. just yeah. throw at this shit say, ad nauseum. Hey, hey, let me try this one out. Deadass? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right, Jim. 
Get off my lawn. Oh, no, wait. That's different. Yeah, no. No, it, you, you guys, Walter Becker just dead-ass threw in that solo. Yeah. <laughs> However that works. Yeah. I have nephews who would probably, like, be happy to correct me on what I got wrong about that. But, you I, know? You know, I... I'd like to say that if, if someone is in, is in the process of correcting me as I talk about like Steely Dan in the, the modern parlance, they should just shut the fuck up and listen to Steely Dan. So I have actually a funny story about these 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 things. Okay, so like when we were growing up, okay, when we were growing up, let me pull you guys so like I'm not just revealing myself to be insane. Nope, clap it out there, man. <laughs> when you guys when you guys hear the phrase like bust ass let's bust ass what does that mean to you guys to hurry the fuck up so it's had two meanings over time for me that's right right? two meanings over time but early on i I don't know of another meaning that's the only one it has for me (laughs) yeah well if if you rip a fart you have busted Uh, ass oh shit my god i'm learning stuff today so i went i remember when i went to college right i'd be like yo we gotta bust ass and get out of here <laughs> like people would be like, "What are you fucking talking about? <laughs> what is with this guy? What? He always farts." He's fucking around. weird. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he's on some really fringe uh, renewable energy <laughs> shit, you know? Yeah. Like real. <laughs> I would imagine the first couple times someone thought you said, I busted ass and we've got to get out of here. You know what? That would have been fine too, but just like the confusion was just like, wait, wait what are you saying? What are you saying we need to do? That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, man. That could be like a regional thing too, potentially. Maybe. Colloquial thing. Yeah. yeah. So Toma, you, let's see, I had the list up in front of me. Uh, I would like to just point out, because we're here now, that this song, when I was listening to it, I immediately was like, what the f- why is this like a song I've heard before? And I swear, if you pull up Eagles of Death Metal's Now I'm a Fool and you play it, it is oh, yeah. the same song, and it really yeah, yeah. did me a mind fuck there for huh. a hot minute. I was like starting to sing along, but I was singing the Eagles of Death Metal lyrics, and I was like, wait, what? We'll have really to yeah. in the uh, after party. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, that's got to be in the after party. Yeah, yeah uh, for sure. Yeah, that's, that's an amazing song, and I remember having the exact same reaction the first okay. time I heard it was a death metal track. I was like, oh, we're going to we're gonna cover the... Oh, no, wait, we're not covering. But it's, it's, it's all so my... similar. Like, the I mean, cadence yeah. of everything. I'm sure that's not an accident. Maybe uh, not. Sure no, I will not. say... I'm not hating on anyone because I really love that Eagles of Death Metal song, but it's just, it, it was such a mindfuck to be like, oh, it, no, actually, no, it's not. Oh, so close, though. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was intended as, like, a jokey cover. Also with their, like, patented, fuck it, we're having fun here attitude. Yeah. I, I feel like the Eagles of Death Metal get a bad rap because Jesse started spouting off about some nonsense. In the end, there's not a bad Eagles of Death Metal song. Uh, it's mm-mm. just like everything makes you want to tap your toes and get on the dance floor in some tight pants. So I, Absolutely. I'm going to replay this. Uh, I'm going to replay this song, Only a Fool Would Say. So reason is, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to the lyrics much, but to me, this is like one of those songs that like really gets that. And it's like one of those post-60s songs it's you know what he's trying to say there is he's talking to somebody that is like an optimist an idealist wishing for a world that's peaceful whatever and and like saying like look man you're privileged like you don't really know the real world only a fool would say (laughs) say stuff i think that is the base level like interpretation yeah but i feel like i abstracted another level to this this guy is stuck having a conversation with someone that feels that way yeah. and they're and he thinks they're full of shit <laughs> and i say that because of the line about like now that gandhi's gone we've got no one to fire upon and uh, the white stetson hat reference yeah. it, it feels like it's poking fun at somebody who has an older like john wayne was the good guy mentality and he's very much like stuck listening to this guy talk about like how yeah, they don't think that anything could be any better because, you know, all the, the people that do are fools. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I think, it's, I think it, there's lots of different ways to interpret this, for sure. I think their cynicism knows no bounds. 
Absolutely. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like and and just... it's happy to turn the lens upon itself sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think that, just think about it like this, right? All the heroes of the 60s were dead. Like, they were, like, killed. All the heroes of the 60s movements, especially in the States, like, they were all dead. And so I think there's, this is 1972, there's a lot of stuff, like a reckoning of, okay, maybe we missed our, maybe we missed the opportunity. And I think there's like a lot of sadness and introspection that comes yeah. out of that. And this to me is like a manifestation of that. And, but it's like deep, I perceive it as being deeply cynical and I love how it's matched against this like really mellow, smooth fucking riff, clean riff. Look, the like the syncopate, like the the tempo and melody are like like a Jimmy Buffett song or something, oh. right? They feel like that kind of like tropical chill vibe. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah like at base level, the lyrics are definitely like ah, you talk about this world where everybody's <laughs> free and equal. Like only a fool sees that world. Like it's definitely a counterpoint to the melody. Yeah, I think, again, like, there's a lot of counterpoints in their music, man. Because, like, their music is catchy and smooth and cool and interesting, but there's, like, always, like, a layer of, like... And they don't... The darkness. It's not like Donald Fagan comes out and, like, breaks down, like, what he was writing about when he wrote the song, too. I actually had these kind of thoughts of, of Tool in the way that, like, a lot of their lyrics are, like multi-layered and deal with like complex things but a lot of it is like hidden behind these really kind of catchy riffs i really and, love uh, that tool song sober of course yeah i'm sure um, i really the thing I, I really push it and like to get on the tool rant like that the box set that they put out or uh, after anima had a like a slowed down version of push it that really made me think differently about that song. Yeah, like everything in Anima is super smart. I, I just think about that song sober because because it's, there's a lot of drug references in this album. There's a lot of like references. To, and look at the album cover. It's like horse like on the street, right? So there's a lot of like just grimy, grimy street stuff references yeah. in here. And like I well, think about the, that song sober, and really it's just basically it's just about someone that can't like fucking function or be without like getting high and See, it's just like his impatience right with with his impatience just like, dude what the fuck man why can't you like figure it out uh, right like why can't we not my, be sober my favorite tool song happens to be stink fist but i think that also Thank fits you. uh i think that also fits in here yeah that's right? in that, the theme yeah that is totally where i was going to go with that statement is that I think a lot more about stink fist and that like here's this like base level of i think a lot of people like like really interpreted that as like some penetration stuff right <laughs> like some but like all of that is like a metaphor of the shallow way we interact with right, each other right, right. and like <laughs> like i feel like steely dan has a, a lot of the roots of that because it's he's singing about a thing but but there's so many different ways to interpret it if you're paying attention that it keeps giving and it and i think it delivers a different experience as you change down the line too see i think yeah. this is a good transition to in the years because this song to me is this is i think probably their second most popular song the song you always hear on the radio but and this song is crazy catchy i love that guitar riff real 70s sound right although the verse is like real different sounding right it's not on some boston shit or whatever but the lyrics to this song i was thinking like to me i think i mentioned this to you guys before one of my one of the musical challenges would be like make a mixtape of like just the meanest songs about exes and to me this is like gotta be like track one because this song is just i just it's, it's one of those things that you have relationships when in, in the past when you're like immature or, or there's, I don't know, or people just didn't get you or whatever, gave up on you or whatever. And so the idea of this like song being like, hey, when we had a thing, you rejected me and you think so highly of yourself, <laughs> but look where you are, look where I am now and look where you are. There's something so like deeply like negative, <laughs> just mean spirited about it. That's funny <laughs> to me. <laughs> yeah, Shadenfroy, big time. Yeah, 
Particularly that second verse, right? You've been telling me you were a genius since you were 17. <laughs> All this time, I still don't know what you mean. <laughs> doesn't it? Ha doesn't it also have the you wouldn't know a diamond if you held it in your hand? Dude, uh, I mean, line it's, in, it's, in that same, it's like, genius. <laughs> yeah, it's genius. But it's like, like <laughs> meanwhile, it's wrapped into this amazing guitar fill that just. If this was a solo, this is a solo in any other song, right? Yeah. This is the solo of a Weezer song. This is this is built around the melody and yeah. it plays in that given space and it's done. But then it it turns out to be really just the riff and fill through the album. The solo is just this beautiful like Yeah. I just formed a theory just this very second All about right. how Maybe. All right. Stick with me here. Mm -hmm. Maybe he just wanted to give the biggest fuck you to someone, but he also was like, but I'm going to put it in the catchiest song that will play everywhere all the time. So they have to hear it like over and over. I think you're, I think and right. maybe that's why the music and the lyrics have that mismatch. I so like to believe the, that was a long, that was the long con here. Is this a free bird? <laughs> I don't I think, think so. I don't. If we're looking for a freebird of the record, I, I think it's do it again. If you ask me, but I would argue that they've never played a show without being forced to play the song. <laughs> that is true. Like there's much like Skinner and Freebird, they after this album came out, they always had to play Real End of the Years. Like years later, probably to this day for sure. They're playing real in the so, years every goddamn show. Alright, so this is in my mind, this is the attitude of attitude of Freebird, right? Based on the lyrics, right? So, look, man, look. Girl, I got I got I look, I'm too wild to be contained. I gotta go out there, man. I just gotta be me. Okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry, but I just gotta be me. It's like positive, right? It's like we can't be together. It's sad. But I, I just I gotta be free. This song <laughs> is not that. <laughs> this song is, you fucked me over when we were younger. Now look at your old ass, and look what you're doing. <laughs> look at me, look what I'm doing. Look at your old ass, look what you're doing. And that is, like, to me, it's like, the first one is cool. I mean, I'm with that, I, I feel that, I, I get that. The second one is, takes it a little, like, it's just like the negativity takes it a little bit over the top. And I love, love, love that about it. Because, like, music is hard to do. Like, you've got to put yourself out there. And it's risky. Pop music is hard to write spite into. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. Hey, I'm I'm getting a little bit of echo. I'm getting a little bit of echo off somebody. 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 Yeah. From you maybe. Off of me. I don't know. Okay. Now it went it's away. gone. It went away. All right. Okay. Cool. It 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 was off of the stream. The stream was echoing. Okay. All right. I don't know. Yeah, I got I got so everything this, muted around here. This song for me is like early versions of what Steely Dan became. Like this beautiful, like dark piano. Yeah, this like I had to include this on my album. This is a perfect Donald Fagan song. I yeah, I just I love the different pieces of this. The different pieces of the song. The slide guitar on this yeah. shit which is just because it's like kind of a driving it's almost like a Billy Joel song in some way like parts of it it's like kind of a driving it's, piano deal yeah it's totally a Billy there's Billy Joel all over this but then yeah this kind of weird elements and the way that the verse like the bridge into the chorus and and I don't know I, I don't know that I can interpret the lyrics exactly I don't know if I have like, a strong opinion here about what the lyrics really mean it feels like the line of the song definitely feels like I want to push forward on this thing, but there's nothing in the tank. Like I don't have, I, I'm not there. It, this feels like a reflective Steely Dan track, right? This feels like a like pensive, reflective kind of, don't know if I have anything more in me. I, I want to keep pushing, but there's nothing here. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't think about it that way. That's a good point, though. That's really what the chorus is getting at. Um, it's the, it's definitely the chorus that gets that point. I love the piano solo there too, because it's like kind of a piano-driven song with a piano solo. I just, I look. I'm not a musician. I haven't been a musician in a long time. I was 
fortunate enough to learn a little bit about music, like formally, very little bit. And but I can definitely tell you that I've listened to enough music to where interesting bends, twists and bends in songs, like I, I can catch them and like they pique my interest. And like with this song, there's just so many different things going on. None of them sound forced. All of them sound really natural. Like well, this, this little like, solo at the end here is like yeah, so cool. This honky tonk. It's Telecaster with lipstick pickups. It just has that tinny sound, and it just—it's such a honky tonk solo. Yeah. So to me, yeah, just that song, "Fire in the Hole." It follows into the same sort of pattern of they just—they're just so good at mixing it up. And then, I think it's a like another thing that's super underrated about this album. I think it's just like the the track order, like the actual like beginning to end. Yeah. It adds, see, this is another thing. This is why I feel like these guys are like my spirit animals in music. Is that they, the, the way they structure the records a lot of times is like my instinct on how, like, I would structure a record. Which is start out big and in your face, and then just fizzle out <laughs> towards the end. And maybe even start out big, side A, fizzle out, start out big again, side B, fizzle out. And they do that because yeah. the start of side B on this was really in the ears. Yeah. 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 So this feels like an underrated Steely Dan track. Like the further into this song it gets, the better this song is. The opening doesn't do anything for me, but this is the Eagles track. Like yeah. I could listen to this in, in place of the Eagles for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. Also, like the slide, get the slide guitar is nice. Honestly, it is like really I, nice. they find a way to work an instrument that I don't associate with Steely Dan at all. They just work it seamlessly in, which I think is impressive. Okay, do you, you guys want me to read to you all the instruments that were used on this record? Yeah, off of the vinyl. That would be amazing. Yeah, off the vinyl cover. Okay, so guitar, pedal steel guitar. It just says Spanish. Oh, I. So at the end of Fire in the Hole, or yeah, at the end of Fire in the Hole, there's a little bit of someone speaking Spanish. They're saying lamentablemente, which means unfortunately. <laughs> That's great. It, it, is that Fire in the Hole? I thought that was a different track, but yeah. yeah or maybe it's not Fire in the Hole, maybe it's Real in the Years. Um, or maybe, no, it's only a fool would say that. At the very end. Yes. At the very yeah, end, yeah. you're right, you're right. At the very end, there's just like someone talking, and I can hear like a Puerto Rican accent a little bit, but yeah. okay. Guitar, pedal steel guitar, Spanish the language. Electric bass guitar, electric sitar. So that's Denny Diaz and he was he was I think one of the original members. He recruited he was the one that put an ad in I think it was the Village Voice looking for two musicians and the only requirement was like two musicians with some jazz chops and not assholes. And <laughs> so, yeah. And he got these assholes. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who had jazz shots but were definitely assholes. But definitely. Danny Diaz played the electric guitar, or the electric sitar on Do It Again. Which I was going to say, that sounds like, amazing. And I was thinking about it when I was listening to it. When I was listening to Do It Again, I wondered if it was an electric sitar yes. or if it was like if it was actually a, an electric guitar with some high reverb and some chorus but yeah that's cool it's an actually electric sitar. so so electric sitar electric piano plastic organ i'm not even sure what the hell that is tenor sax the flugelhorn i don't even know where where is it where are they playing the flugelhorn i couldn't pick out a flugelhorn if you paid me like yeah, if, if you played nothing but flugelhorn i'd be like that's sure, <laughs> sure. Dude. Also, I, I, I wanted either Fagan or Becker wrote the write-up on the back of the on the back of the record cover. Like, there's like a two-paragraph write-up, like these two, or not two-paragraph, two-column write-up, and it's his like parody of the music reviewer, and it's so hilarious and stupid. Like, I'll just give you like a just a real brief cut here. Tradition and experimentation reign side by side when Denny Diaz accepts the burden of resurrecting the electric sitar on Do It Again and makes it sound easy. On the same cut, an inexpensive imported plastic organ, an instrument which long fell uh, into disuse by, in most rock circles, is competently fingered by Donald Fagan. 
<laughs> and dig those startling high register bass effects on the final cadence of heartbeat. It's just like, they're just they just don't give a fuck. They're just fucking taking yeah. the piss out of everybody. Yeah. Down to the fucking back of the fucking vinyl, man. Look at this shit. It's just unbelievable. I'm telling you, they're my spirit animals. I definitely and, have a greater appreciation for their snark now than I did. <laughs> them and sure. them and George Costanza. But um, <laughs> anyway, so this was on my this one this song Change the Guard. This one was on my list, and it was not on your guys' list, I think. And my list was I, I I only cut three from mine. My list was seven, but I just I again it's, it sounds like I'm repeating myself. What do I like about this song? I love the way it changes into all these different parts. It's like kind of 70s. Like some of it sounds like Three Dog Night. Some of it sounds like, I don't know, when he's singing like this, it almost sounds like a little glam, like almost a Bowie glam type of deal. I don't know. And then in, into the bridge and into the chorus, it gets a little harder. And I love the lyrics too. Like the lyrics are really, they're really interesting because it's talking about it's probably i think it might be as political as they ever get um yeah i was thinking about how that how it was shocking to me that no one's used this as their like campaign song but i would imagine donald Fagan would be like no i don't think they're political <laughs> if i had yeah. to guess i'm pretty sure yeah, yeah. I'm i don't think sure. they would let that but man like you know, I think about the Fleetwood Mac track from the Clinton presidency. You just swap this in there; it would be the same kind of pretentious bullshit. Wait, wait, wait. What was, what was it? What was the Fleetwood Mac one from? It was from Rumors, uh, right? Yeah, I can't remember. Um, I can't remember oh what God. song. It's from Rumors, right? I, I know what you're talking about. In any case, yeah. Yeah, um, don't stop. Don't they stop, chose don't either. stop. Yeah. <laughs> There, dude, there was, like that fucking Tom Petty song, Back Down, which is so great. Like, politicians are like, they've ruined it for me, dude. I've heard it way too many times at speech or like a political rally. It's, don't do that to Tom Petty, man. <laughs> don't, don't fuck my man like that, you know? Anyway. Yeah, so anyway, cool song. It probably goes on a little bit long, but still... I like the na na na's as gospel I don't know, Three Dog Night ish. Yeah. You know. When I started making this this playlist, I did it in Amazon Music this time, which I've never done before. Mm -hmm. But I actually, like, going back to one of your points, I started making it, and it's literally the first time I've used the service. So all it knows about me is that I'm listening to Steely Dan. And, oh. the, and then the very next suggestion, when it was just like, Here's some stuff you might, it said Yacht Rock. And I got offended on Steely Dan's behalf a little bit, honestly. I was okay. just like, this is not, this. okay, listen, Steely Dan is not that boring, frankly. It's a lot more, there's a lot more below the surface than that. And I had a brief moment of indignation. Okay, so, so I think, though, no, this is a great, okay. This is a great, because see, to me, this album is pre-Steely Dan Yacht Rock era, right? So for me, Asia and Gaucho, Mm -hmm. I can understand how someone can make an argument there. Like, Hey 19, yeah. to me, is definitely like a yacht rock classic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, 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 but see, here's the thing about whatever that is. There was a show, right, called Yacht Rock. It was a web show. Have you guys ever seen it? No. It's pretty amazing. Uh, we may have to watch it in the after show. And it's That's reimagining of, like, how these different yacht rock bands, like, made their, made these, made their biggest hits. So yeah. it's like people playing like Steely Dan, other people playing like the Doobie Brothers, Michael McDonald, Kenny Loggins, Loggins and Messina. And some of them are really great. There's one about, there's a Michael McDonald song that that Warren G samples in, in Regulate. And it's like about, it's about how he came up with the song and then how Warren G sampled it. It's super silly, <laughs> whatever. And I think, yeah, Yacht Rock is used as like a, definitely like a term of like derision or whatever. And it was like the yuppie music when the punk stuff was like starting to come out. And look, again, I get all that, but I like some fucking Doobie Brothers. I'm not going to lie. 
I like some Michael McDonald Doobie Brothers even I'm not gonna lie about that and there's some Kenny Loggins songs that slap pretty hard I don't I, know about Christopher I, Cross that might be a little a bridge too far for me but I would argue that they that there's some interesting things happening in hip hop around Yacht Rock and the <laughs> Alchemist is the Alchemist is at the core of it and his like his Yacht Rock hip hop albums are fantastic uh, I'm gonna fantastic. No, if no one has done this yet, I'm gonna christen that yacht hop, and I'm gonna insist, <laughs> gonna insist that you all use that term from now yeah. on. Listen, well, I don't know yeah. anything about any of it except for like literally my knowledge of yacht rock is probably limited to that. Is it forty year old virgin where they're constantly playing Yamo be there or whatever? <laughs> like that, that's as much as I know about it. My my knowledge base is not deep. So, so last summer I went, we went on vacation, we went out to Maine and uh, we rented a car and it had satellite radio and so I was driving with one of my friends, Joe, one of my buddies, Joe Ellis from Philly, because we met up there and uh, we were driving and we were like going through the station satellite radio and there's apparently a satellite radio station for Yacht Rock and I think it's called The Captain. I'm not even joking. <laughs> Fucking course it is. And the DJ is like constantly making boat references and shit. I would <laughs> imagine that that's who's paying for Sirius XM these days anyway. Like, like yeah. that. that. <laughs> but it's cool. But it was cool. Like we, we were, it's funny. Like when you're driving by the ocean and some <laughs> of this shit comes on and you're like, all right, you know, this shit's pretty cool. Michael McDonald. Wait, was that? Was that Seagull on the radio? Or was that, <laughs> that's not... I mean, it's just like, I, I kind of got into the vibe a little bit. Yeah, fuck all the haters. I like punk music. That's cool. I'm 39. I'm driving a rental car in Maine. Let me have my Yacht Rock. I like what I like, and I'm not interested in anyone else's opinion. Yeah, life. yeah. No, I just let me have my Yacht Rock. And also, I don't think it's unfair. Like, to me, Asia and after, I think yeah. it's, com it's completely fair to put them in there. And here's another little bonus here for you, Jenny. Michael McDonald uh -huh. was a background singer for the Dan in the Katie Lied years, I believe. Yeah, wow. for sure. Oh, so we've come full circle. All right. So, uh, yeah. I might even, he might even be, yes. Yeah. There were a couple Look. albums where, like, Michael McDonald's the unspoken member of Steely, Steely Dan. Check this out. Yeah. This all yeah. makes sense. This is on the back of Katie Lied. Yeah. Also, I can't vouch for this because I was driving at the time, but Chris was Googling some stuff on Sunday and allegedly said that Chevy Chase was a drummer in the very early days. Yes. I don't know. Yeah, that's another weird, crazy shit. Yes, Chevy Chase was in the band. I don't know if they were known as Steely Dan at the time. Yeah, he said it was like way early. Yes, yeah, very early on. And it tracks. I didn't even know Chevy Chase could play the drums, but it tracks. It does track. It's all kind of yuppie, like whatever, you know? But, and and I, I definitely reject all the trappings of yuppie whatever, but this music is fucking good, so fuck. So yeah, fuck yeah. Look, like Chevy Chase ended up part of a great Paul Simon video, right? Enjoyable things overlap with douchebaggery all the time. My dad all is the a time. huge Chevy Chase. Like, when we were growing up, Chevy Chase was like my dad's favorite like comedic actor. <laughs> so I've watched like obscure ass Chevy Chase from the eighties. Fletch Two, <laughs> I remember the Funny Farm. I don't know if you ever saw that. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm sure it's not aged well, but Nothing But Trouble, which was a movie with Dan Aykroyd. It might be the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. I saw that in the movie theater. My even my oh, dad yeah, was just like, this is like too much. Just that like too that much. came out mid nineties, right? No, Nothing, nothing but, but Trouble. trouble? No. Yeah, mid nineties for sure. Okay, I'm gonna fact check it on this dude. That's cool, I'm fact, 1991, early 90s, okay. still the 90s. Okay, all right, so we were both fine. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, but to me, Chevy Chase represents a little bit of, he's a funny guy, but he definitely represents a little bit of that yuppie, like stuff in the 80s. Like, he was biggest in the 80s, when people were wearing shoulder pads and on their uh, sports jackets and shit like Trying that. to forget the shoulder pads were a thing. <laughs> yeah. You guys didn't really have to deal with it that much, but like there for a, a period of, of my life when I was younger, fucking everything has shoulder pads, like turtlenecks. Why was that necessary? Yeah. yeah. It was a, I don't know. It was a tough time, man. I, 
I yeah, don't know. Like, there were a lot of suit jackets, suit coats with with shoulder pads for men, but I was not in an age where that was a thing for me. So. <laughs> yeah, we never. I never. Wore, I never had to do, deal with that. Yeah. I, I was about to say uh, because the the suit jackets that you wore so often as a child. Were... <laughs> yeah. I was a dapper young man, and I <laughs> kindly prefer you keep that to yourself. I was listening to this yacht rock when I was on my yacht. You know. That's right. <laughs> but that seagull was. From outside. <laughs> let me let me tell you something, guys. We over what was it? Last Christmas, whatever New Year's, we went sailing in Chris's parents' like sailboat, Ooh. which sounds obnoxious, but it's a very small. At least it's like a small sailboat. It's only as big enough as it needs to be a sailboat, so it's not that douchey. And we went down to the Bahamas, and we were dicking around in the Bahamas, and some of these yachts pulled up next to us, and I was just like what they would unfurl they were so big they would unfurl water slides from them to slide and ride like fucking jet skis out the back like they were like it was like water world it was a whole self-contained compound when you could see that they had like uh, their own wi-fi i was trying to use their wi-fi listen i'm down to make fun of those assholes <laughs> that's just it's just excess and right, it was right. honestly dude yeah yeah, yeah. look man I think in the after party we should listen to some yacht rock also. All right. Just, just, all just right. to like, you know, let's get in the vibe, man. Because <laughs> right. we're definitely going to be doing Asia at some point, and we're definitely going to be doing Gaucho at some point. So I, I feel like we just, we, you know, we need to prepare mentally. Uh, so Michael McDonald. Alonzo, <laughs> yeah. Alonzo, you're the only one with with this song on their list. Yes, so this song. Heartbeat over again is playing. This song is so. about a junkie begging for his life, and again. Yeah. It's about bad guys, man. And he's begging Michael, the angel Michael, and Jesus for his life. Because... Or Michael McDonald, as the case may be. <laughs> Michael. Oh, Michael. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Now that's not... That, I'm not going to be able to unthink that. But it's just like... Just, he's begging... He's like begging the powers that be to like keep his heart beating. He's not that guy. He's not that guy, but he is. And then the album ends. <laughs> The heartbeat doesn't turn over again. So yeah. I, I think to me, it's just, I don't know, again, it's just, it's the perfect vibes, it's the right story with this like kind of catchy, and I love the chorus. I think it's like kind of plaintive and he's begging. It sounds catchy, but he's begging. He's, oh, Michael, oh, Jesus. And you don't, you just don't hear songs like that, that are like poppy or at least like attempt to try to invoke like pop or attempt to be easy on the ears, right? Like I think about, okay, what's the song? I think about, oh, that song by Metallica 1. Cause I can't feel my arms, I can't feel my, and I'm praying for death, right? That song is dark. It's, it's beautifully it's, arranged. It's heavy. But it's, yeah. yeah, it's it's like the tone is the music, the tone of the music matches the tone of the story they're trying to tell. Yeah. Whereas turn that heartbeat over again, like it's, it's like a, if you're not paying it's a attention, poppy melody. if you're not paying attention, you're thinking, oh, okay, that's a cool chorus or whatever, and you're just letting it go. But if you pay attention and you realize like what it's actually and how like desperate the story is, like you just okay, yeah. And to me, it's like uh, I'm definitely I listen to the music first because I think when you listen to lyrics, like you. You have to really concentrate. I don't think you can casually listen to lyrics. I don't know. Maybe it's, if it was like if it's like Shaggy, like mm -hmm. it wasn't me. I think you could casually listen to that and get the gist of what the fuck's going on. But you have to actually focus. And so to me, the kind of casual listening I do to music, I, I do with music, is more common for me now than the focused listening I do. So when I do get a chance to do the focused listening, that's when I get to actually try and understand the lyrics and try and think about what they're trying to say. And more often than not, I'm very disappointed. Like, I'm just like, okay, whatever, who cares? That's like pretty But Steely Dan, does, not, Steely Dan is not a place where you get something. Yeah. yeah, there's stuff to, like, yeah. work through. And, it's like, for me, like, that's probably why I didn't get into Dylan, Bob Dylan, like, super hard when, like, a lot of my peers were into Dylan. Because, like, for a long time, my favorite Dylan song was I Want You. Which, the lyrics are cool, but to me it's like his catchiest song. Like, when you get to actually sit down and spend time with the music, and you actually get to listen to the lyrics, and you just realize, fuck, this guy's like ahead of everyone. Like, this guy's really trying to say some crazy shit, and saying it, say, say it in a musical way, 
I always felt like that about Paul Simon. It's like, Simon, to me, he has a lot of catchy songs, and that's why he became a, like a big hit. But when you actually start listening to some of the lyrics, it's like, wow, he's telling this kind of crazy story. Have you guys ever listened to that song, Duncan? I'm sure you have. It's Paul Simon. I think it's on his first solo record, like after Simon and Garfunkel. Anyway, it's, if I have. I, I'm sure, yeah, I, I, if I played it, I guess I can do that. Can't I do that? I was just about to say I might recognize it if you played it, but I'm shit with names, honestly. Yeah, Duncan, yeah. It's so, another thing about the song is that it's got, it's got the charanga playing, and it's like in the Andean style. So he made some Andean type songs. <laughs> I think he must have gone to Peru and <laughs> got turned on to some Andean music. Um, can you guys hear it? Yeah. Well, I'm trying to get some sleep, but these motel walls are cheap. Lincoln Duncan is my name, and here's my song. Oh, yeah, I have heard this before. Yeah, and it's got the pan flute chorus. Mm -hmm. I'll skip up just a little bit. Sweet New England. Yeah, it's got the pan flute chorus. So I'm sure you've heard it, right? Okay, yep. do me a favor at some point, listen to the lyrics. He's telling a story, and it's a fucking hilarious story. <laughs> and, 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 like it's a, but it's, so like, most of the time you listen to pop music, like, you're not gonna get something like that. It's just not gonna happen. You're barely gonna get a story. Like, yeah, barely. You might get a story, and if you don't, if you, or you might just get, yeah, right? <laughs> like, like, my uh... feelings, like, I feel like this, or whatever. It's just like, with the Dan, you're gonna get something. You're gonna get something. Yeah. It might be a story. It might be a feeling, it might be both. It might be some weird reference that you're only gonna get if you've listened to this or that or read this or whatever, but there's always something. Okay, yeah. I'm comfortable I'm comfortable going to our ratings out of five stars, if you guys are. Uh, I will say, I will say this is like a, like a four star album for me. There's not a bad track, regardless of the cut that I made. There's not a bad track, and I can apparently listen to it start to finish like a dozen times a day for a full week. Like it doesn't get old. All the I know all these songs well. I start to appreciate the ones that I don't know quite as well, even more the more I listen to it. It's probably been maybe like five to seven years since i really sat down with this album maybe a little bit longer i tend to sit down with later steely dan more than this album but that's because it so solidly encapsulates my familiarity with steely dan's like steely dan's music from the radio when i was growing up this is my growing up radio steely dan album for sure nice four stars okay jenny what do you got four. I don't, I'm actually, I, I gave a lot of thought as to what I should give this, and I feel like it's not fair to this album. I wish I had come into it completely with a clean slate, because I think it might have been just a little bit more. Unfairly, in as much as I think that I have, at this point, a little bit of like radio fatigue for some of it. I think that these songs, like Reelin' in the Years is a great song, but I think I've heard it so much that like it's... I, I think that it doesn't feel like it should anymore, or like I don't have that, oh fuck yeah. That's not fair to it, because it's actually objectively re-listening. I'm like, no, but like legitimately these are great songs and I still like them. I think mm -hmm. I just get like a little bit of radio fatigue. And the other problem is that I think I just unconsciously compare it to the other albums that I like better, <laughs> which, is not, yeah. which is not fair to it either. I would give it a 3.5, but with those disclaimers, is that I don't think I'm being, I don't think it's the album's fault that it's not at least a four. I think it's my own baggage that's so, coming with that. So you're doing the, it's not you, it's me. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then can we just get, can you just say in Spanish, unfortunately, at the end? <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. All right. So I'm going to give it a four and a half, four and a half out of five. It's hard for me to give anything five stars. I don't know what the fucking white album I don't know, Beethoven's Ninth. I, I don't know what like what like what's a five star album? What's a five star piece of music? It's hard for me to say. I will say that, like to me, I was thinking about this right. It's like Steely Dan sit in like a pocket like between let's say like some of these like super groups of the '70s like the Eagles, like the Stones that were still popular around this time, and Zappa right like on the other side and 
like free jazz and like some of the weird stuff Miles Davis was doing, like fusion jazz. Right, they sit between, and I think that's really cool because for me, like I like Zappa, and there's a lot of cool Zappa stuff out there, but I don't like I like the that they care about making a song that's catchy. Like Zappa was good at pushing boundaries, as was like Miles Davis' more freeform jazz years, mm -hmm. and that has its place. Steely Dan found a way to incorporate jazz intelligently into pop music, and it didn't have to be super free form. It just opened up their available sounds a little bit more. They push the bounds in so many other ways, yet make it very palatable for a, a listener focused on melody, I think. Yeah, and coming back to it, these are street songs. Like These are songs about like losers and junkies and fuck-ups from two East Coast guys that came out West. And I'm an East Coast guy that came out West. And I can tell you that definitely like when you start talking about like street shit and like just fucked-up shit that either, either you grew up with or you were adjacent to or whatever, I don't know. that It's just a different attitude than it is out here. I'm in New Mexico, but like... I can imagine going out to California in the 60s, 70s. It was probably just a completely different vibe, and I'm sure they got frustrated, right? And no one was really writing about these sorts of things and telling these sorts of stories. Love that, like, they brought this, it's like they brought this lowbrow, like, street shit to this music that still cared about pop stuff, but really pushed things in a different direction. Like, it's that highbrow, lowbrow stuff, the combination of which wait, wait. has always been interesting to me, you know. Can, can I also dub this street adjacent for my own personal? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> street adjacent. I think yeah. that's good. Yeah. Okay. I think that's good. Street adjacent. They like just that that com that combination highbrow and lowbrow. Because yeah. I have a lot of interests that like well, look dude, I don't like the opera. Like it's fine. It's cool. I don't hate on people. That's cool. But that's just it's not my thing. I like hearing the fucked up stories. I like hearing the, I like hearing the street shit. To me, that's more interesting. So the fact that they brought that with, with music that like, is sophisticated. It's sophisticated. I, I go for that. It fits. Yeah. It fits me well. So four and a half stars for me. It's like a in, in its own way. It's a popera of all that uh, street adjacent shit. Right? I'm <laughs> just gonna it. make up a whole new vocabulary. I'm gonna make up a whole new vocabulary <laughs> of just words that only I understand. That's right. <laughs> Look, but let's not. But let me just say this: this isn't on some Lin Manuel Miranda shit, okay? This is like real street shit. It's not Hamilton. No, but I'm saying like in in the sense that like they're telling that story though. I, I think I don't mean it in a derogatory way. And they're doing a deep dive on some of this stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. I always feel like with Steely Dan, any one of the characters characters that they're writing about in the song could, if if you were making a video to it the first shot could be that character walking out of a seedy Times Square strip club from like the 1980s. But it's just, it feels like it starts in a very grimy place. Yep. And then, yeah, exactly. And then takes it to a very like relatable, like emotional component, right? They have a lot of the human struggle and yeah, every one of their characters could have been watching a peep show right before. The That's song. what I'm saying, man. It's some. It's a, I wasn't around for like '70s New York, like Times Square, but I do remember Times Square when I was like six or seven um, in the '80s. It wasn't that far away. I can tell you, it was not. It was a scary place, and it was crazy. It was a crazy time. So I remember. I do remember like being young and understanding that like this city was a little bit fucking nuts. <laughs> and you get, you get, I don't know, you just get some of those vibes and I'm happy I don't live in that shit anymore, but I'm happy to listen to stories about it. Okay. All right. I think we did it. I think I feel good. I, I feel think good. we talked about the whole, like, we didn't really go over the cuts, but I, I feel like we talked about the, the tracks uh, of the album. I mean, I think uh, if you listen to the full 73 minutes of We've Been Broadcasting, I think you'll get a f good feeling for what it's like, and you should go check it out. You should go check out some Steely Dan. Oh, and I guess last thing, 
is that if you do live in like New Mexico or maybe the Southwest generally, you can buy these records at rummage shops for a dollar. I, I yeah. don't know what happened, but I got all these for nothing, like just pennies. I got all these Steely Dan records for pennies at the Roman shop. So if you have a record player, like you can get these good condition and enjoy them on vinyl as they were intended to, as God intended them to be listened to. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, okay, so cool. We're Let's wrap it up then. All right.